You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 28. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for episode 28 of the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and you are in for a treat with today's interview. Today's guest has built multiple seven and eight figure businesses, and now he helps others scale the smart way. Now, if you're new to the podcast and don't know me yet, then welcome. I am a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist, and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed more than one and a half million dollars in ad spend and served more than 500 students and clients. And we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. Now, while I teach a lot about Facebook and Instagram ads, the goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. And that's why I love to bring you interviews with experts and successful business owners like my guest today. I am super pumped to bring you my interview with Jason Swank. Jason Swank is the agency advisor and mentor that guides marketing agencies through a proven framework for growing their agency faster. Jason has literally written the book for growing an agency from nothing to an eight-figure agency. He is one of the most sought-out advisors to agencies in the world by showing them an eight-system framework that worked for growing his agency, working with brands like AT&T, Hitachi, Lotus Cars, and eventually led to selling his agency. Now, in this episode, we talk about what it takes to scale your business, and you are going to get so much out of it, even if you're not an agency owner like I am. So you are going to learn how Justin Timberlake led to Jason landing his first freelance client. Yes, I'm talking about the Justin Timberlake. You got to hear the story. (laughs) You'll understand. How his digital marketing agency landed clients like LegalZoom, Hitachi, and Lotus Cars. And Jason actually breaks down specifically the steps he took to land Porsche as an agency client. He also shares how he scaled his agency from $3 million in revenue to $13 million in just two years. Plus, we talk about how to gain clarity on where to focus your time in order to truly scale, why price is irrelevant, and where to begin when determining yours, and a whole lot more. Now, before we dive in, I want to make sure you know that you can find all of the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 28. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 28. All right, let's dive into the interview with Jason Swank from jasonswank.com. Hey, Jason, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I am super excited to chat with you. So please share who you are and what you do. Yeah, so uh, Jason Swank, I'm a husband and a father of two crazy boys. And uh, what I do for a living is help agency owners grow their agency faster. And uh, I haven't always done that. You know, in, in 1999, I, 
I graduated from college and worked for a company called Arthur Anderson, the paper shredding company or the company that tried to take down everybody because they did crappy accounting. I wasn't an accountant, even though that was the only A I ever got in college. But uh, I was a computer programmer and I was horrible at it. But I designed a website making fun of one of my friends that looked like Justin Timberlake. And then someone offered me money to design a website for him. And so I started an agency. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'm a little distracted because I love Justin Timberlake. So you actually have a friend who looks like Justin Timberlake? Does he still look like? Yeah. So we'd we'd go to Miami or we'd go to, you know, any of the places and where we grew up and everybody thought he was Justin Timberlake. So I was like, I'm creating a fake band, a fake tour. And we called it in shit and it got popular (laughs) and people paid us. And then people are like, Oh, you know, like a real estate agent came to me. and was like, Hey, can you do a website for me? And I was like, sure. (laughs) And, And just kind of fell into it. That is awesome. That is a kind of a creative way to get into business. So you start off and you didn't really know what you were doing? Is that what I heard? I had no clue. I, I literally, I'll, I'll prove to you how dumb I was. Uh, my first client, a real estate agent, was like, cool, yeah, I'll, I'll do it for $500. Send me an invoice. I'm like, okay. I didn't know what an invoice was. Like, this is in 1999 too. So like, everybody I talked to is like, well, Google it. I'm like, right. Google wasn't around. <laughs> so I, was, I just figured it out. That's awesome. Okay. So you figured it out and then you started getting more clients. Well, what was the point where you decided like, this is actually a thing. I'm going to turn this into a business and grow this thing. You know, maybe probably about six months in, you know, I was just taking on website after website and I was like, you know, this is kind of cool. And I can leave my job at Arthur Anderson and I can do my own thing, bought my own computer. And, (laughs) and then I was like, well, if I want to grow this, I can't just do it by myself. And I need to stop doing the designing, even though I like the designing, I need to figure out what I'm good at. And I was good at chatting with people and I was good at sales. Like, and I literally was going through the yellow pages. I don't even know if you remember the yellow pages. I'd be like, you don't have a website listed. Literally, like, can I design a website? And I had literally had to explain what websites were uh, to people. Because what year was this again? 99. 99. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years after Al Gore invented the internet. <laughs> so you had explained to people what a website was and why they needed one. And That's right. I mean, those were the kinds of conversations back then. Yeah, it was crazy. And then obviously the conversations changed over the years as we were growing. And, you know, we eventually, we built LegalZoom. We were the agency record for Lotus Cars. So obviously we, we figured it out and changed the conversation quite a bit <laughs> for people. But yeah, I remember... And I wish there was, I wish I could go back to that time and just buy a bunch of domain names and uh, (laughs) that'd have been good. Wow. Okay. Can you share, like, how did those relationships come about where you were working with brands like AT&T, Hitachi, Lotus Cars, you mentioned, LegalZoom, you reach out initially or how did those? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes we would, but it all came through kind of like the systems that we set up. Right. And it, it took a number of different years, right? Like everybody thinks like, oh, I can go out like today. Like I'm just starting my agency. I can work with the biggest brands in the world. Chances are no, right? Like you have to have the clarity of like, who am I going after? Who can I actually help? And like, who can I do an amazing job and why would they care? And then once you figure that out, then you can reach out to them. So like, for example, we got in, in bed with Porsche by basically cold calling them. And we said, hey, Porsche, 
we used to do, this was after Lotus Cars took everything into the UK. So we lost that account after a couple of years. And so we went to Porsche. We said, hey, we know a lot of, of what you're talking about over on Twitter. This is when Twitter was real popular. And we feel that there's a lot of opportunity that you may be missing out on. And we have social data to show you exactly what people are um, associating with Porsche, what they're associating with Maserati and Lamborghini and Ferrari. And we want to know if you would like to see that data. Like this is all public knowledge data that we sourced. They're like, heck yeah, come on in. So then we'd show them the data and then we'd be like, well, we could help you with some of this strategy. And we were, you know, we got in our foot in the bed, you know, with them because we helped them and we were targeted and we did some research. We didn't just blind email blast everybody and said, do you want a website? Very good. Okay. So you served first and then that helped to establish the relationship and show your expertise and how you could help. Yep. That's right. Awesome. Very cool. So you grew up the agency and how many years did it take to really scale that up? Probably, I mean, we had the agency for 12 years, but probably, I mean, we got to 20 people in year five. And then we had, we literally went from, in one year, we went from maybe 3 million to 13 million, kind of the last two years. So it was a roller coaster ride. (laughs) What would you attribute? the scaling up too. I mean, was that like an increase in demand or your systems were just really rocking? What, what would you say? It literally comes down to a lot of different things lining up, right? We knew who we served. We positioned ourselves in a way where we were the choice for a number of different things. So we became, we were the best partner in the world for a company called Sitefinity, a CMS system. We were one of the best partners in the world for a company called Microsoft uh, for SharePoint, right? People may have heard of that company, right? Right, And so we positioned ourselves in a way and then we had the right offering. We had the right sales system. We charged the right amount. We had the right, you know, services that we were doing and it all aligned, right? Most people, they don't think big enough and they're not charging enough or they don't have that clarity of where I need to actually go. It's kind of like, I'll talk to an agency owner or a business owner and they'll say, yeah, I want to grow. I'm like, okay, everybody wants to grow. But what specifically do you want? Where do you want to grow into? Like, oh, you want to climb Mount Everest? Okay, cool. Now we can come up with some strategies in order to make sure you don't die climbing Mount Everest. So... So how did you figure that out? How did you get to that point where you were, you know, thinking big enough and kind of avoiding these common mistakes? Well, I hit every single mistake you could possibly imagine. And it was probably about year seven. We were about like, I think like 15 people or so or 20. I can't remember. But we had a healthy payroll. And I remember just going, kind of doing our budgeting, which is opening up, you know, and seeing how much is in the checking account which is a bad way to do it. I don't do that anymore. And going, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to make payroll and just stressing over it, right? Stressing over cash flow. And I even got to a point where my wife was like, well, just go take a job somewhere. Just close it down. And I was like, okay, maybe you got something in there. And so I started chatting with NASCAR to um, you know, apply to be their CMO. And they asked me two questions. They asked me, what do you want to do every day and what don't you ever want to do? And that job would have been really cool for me 
because I used to race cars. So I would have been like, cool, I would have fit right in. And so when they asked me those questions, I went back and I, I thought about it and I got a, a piece of paper. I still do this exercise with people. I go, get an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, put your fist on it and draw a circle around your fist. Not on your fist, but you know what I'm talking about. Like the circle shouldn't be that big. And then start writing down outside this circle, everything you don't ever want to do again. And it's through a process of elimination of going, well, I don't want to deal with these types of clients. Like these clients are nightmares. This type of criteria is a nightmare, or I don't want to do this process. I don't want to do X and really listing out everything and then listing out inside the circle, everything that you love doing. What do you love about your business? Right? Like I love doing creative strategy. You know, I loved doing sales. Like I started just putting down everything. And what that did was that gave me clarity. And so if you go back to my original story about in sync and kind of falling into this by accident, I was just being reactive to the market, whatever would come to me and referrals and right. And referrals just aren't scale. Well, they'll get you far enough, but it wasn't far enough for me. And I felt like I hit a plateau. And so when I started really kind of figuring out the clarity piece, and then I really kind of figured out, I was like, all right, Monica, how can I go from an owner, which I was an owner to a CEO. And that was a big changing, right? Like I was lucky enough to get over the seven figures by being an owner, but I kind of hit the threshold and I was actually probably on a trajectory down, but I knew if I could get to the CEO status and that clarity, then I could take it off. And, and so here are the five roles that I kind of wrote out. So the first one is I have to set the vision of where the agency's going and communicate it to the team because we're at a point where all of the employees were constantly coming to me for every decision. And I'd be like, just go make a decision. And I use the analogy sometimes, it's kind of like you on a boat from, let's say we're on a boat and my team's on a boat from New York to London, but I don't tell them where we're going. And so I can only drive the boat for maybe eight hours until I start falling asleep and I go to sleep and then the crew's job is to take the boat. But if you've ever ridden a boat, the boat changes course like every minute. So these guys are constantly waking me up. Jason, got to go. Boats change course. Come up. And I had to keep fixing it. It's because I never told them where we're going. And I didn't have that clarity. So I needed to set that vision. I also needed to figure out my core values. What were my core values? What did I believe in? right? And then surround myself with people that believe in that, not my twin. That was a big mistake when I was you know, running my business in the very beginning. I would just try to hire my twin. That's a complete nightmare. You have a vision. Like my vision now is to create a resource I wish I had when I was running my agency. So that's our North Star. And so everybody I hire, they have to believe in that and believe in some of the other values. The next, I realized I liked coaching and mentoring people. So I needed to do that with my leadership team only. I couldn't do that with the whole team, but I could coach and mentor them and then they could coach and mentor the rest. So then that started freeing up my time. So I didn't have to do reviews, right? Who wants to do reviews with everybody? And then I needed to be the face of the organization. So I needed to get on stages. So we got on the biggest stages with Microsoft and, and St. Finney, all these big stages in order to be the face of the organization. And then assist sales and understand financials. Those are the only five roles that I would do. And then you know what happened after that? Completely depressed. Really? <laughs> completely, oh, yeah. Completely depressed for a little while because the agency didn't need me for the things that it used to 
need me for. It needed me to do things. And I'm just telling you that because as people write down these five roles or whatever roles they want to create, they'll be depressed because they'll come into a meeting for a design meeting. And they'll be like, we're good, man. We don't need you. And then you walk out of the meeting and then you go into another one. They'll be like, we're good. We're good. And you'll be like, business doesn't need me anymore. But now you have true scale, but the business needs you for other things. And those are the things that I described. Yeah, that totally makes sense. It sounds kind of like maybe like empty nest syndrome, you know, like you're used to being a parent with the kids needing you for, you know, so many years and then they grow up, they move out of the house and they're self-sufficient, which means you did your job. But, you know, it's kind of like, well, now what do I do with my time? (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And it just takes a little bit. And so I remember I was consulting with a client who's still a client. And I remember we got him to a point where he could take off for a month and he came back and his business was doing better without him. And he was depressed for a little while. Like he's like, crap, the business doesn't need me. I was like, do you realize the people that would kill to take off a month and have their business doing better without them? The business just needs you for something different. And here's what it needs you for. We designed it this way. And he was like, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) So I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think that's important. And I think that that's something that at least I haven't heard people talk about very much. So what other things surprised you as you were growing and scaling your agency? Well, you have to position yourself in the right way. And the thing that drives me crazy is how people always like, all right, let's do a little example. Let's say we meet at a conference. Okay. And I come up to you and I say, Hey, it's nice to meet you. My name is Jason. I am the best in the world at growing agencies. And you have to work with me. I've won all kinds of awards. Let me show you all the awards that I won on the back. And let me tell you about my story and how I start. You'd be like, get this joker away from me. Like be running, like rolling your eyes, right? Versus if I came up and was like, hey, how are you doing? Why'd you come to the conference? Is there anybody I can connect you to, right? Like help. Like you have to position yourself as the trusted advisor versus, you know, what, and I like what uh, Donald Miller kind of phrased this up is like, if you treat yourself as the hero, there can only be one hero, you're making them kind of the trusted sidekick. And not many people dress up as Robin for, you know, like Halloween, right? They all want to be Batman. So, but if you could dress up as Alfred and you could be Alfred, now you can tell Batman what to do. And people are going to look at you as a resource for growth rather than someone just shouting out. So like, for example, if you go to many people's websites and you go to their about page, what's the about page? It talks all about them, all the words that they've gotten, how cool they are. What if you change that? What if you started off with a question? Like if you go to my about page, jasonswank.com slash about, you should see like, hey, do you struggle with growing your agency? Do you struggle with worrying about cash flow or taking on the wrong clients. Well, you might be in the right place. I might be able to help you out. Then I start going through a couple other little things, but then my story is buried at the bottom because people don't care about my story. It's irrelevant, but you have to help them first. So it's about changing that perspective by asking questions. Very cool. So is that how you build relationships with clients as well as you're growing? Oh, big time. Yeah. And you got to understand kind of, I think it also comes down to the clarity part. That's why it's the foundation on the most boring part. But you have to laser down into a particular niche because you have to understand that person better than they understand themselves, right? Because 
if you don't, now you're just a bunch of screaming people in a, a loud room. But I'd rather be the person that no one's talking or everybody's whispering and I just come in talking normal and I get everybody's attention because I'm talking like they talk. Mm-hmm. And like I can't tell you how many times people listen to the show or watch some of the videos and they're like, I feel like you have a bug in my office. Like, yeah, because I used to be you. I get it. Like, rather than trying to, you know, make up stuff that a lot of people do, right? Right. Yeah. So you really understand your your audience and your ideal client. And so let's catch people up because we started off with your story in building the agency. So eventually you sold it. Mm-hmm. And so you were with the agency for 12 years. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I ran it for 12 years and then uh, we sold it. And I was with the new agency for nine months until we sold it again. So that was... And I was supposed to be on for two years or in the event that we sold again. And I was just lucky enough we sold again. So it sped that up. So what year was that when you sold it? Uh, The first one, the end of 2011. And the second one, uh, the middle of 2012. Or kind of later in 2012. Okay. All right. Well, congratulations on that. Was that always the goal when growing your agency that you wanted to eventually sell it? In the late 90s and early 2000s, yes, when it was the dot-com era because everybody was selling for stupid amounts of money. But then when 9-11 happened and the dot-bomb happened, everything started tanking. But I kind of like, and that was a horrible time in our country, but I was able to kind of leverage a lot of the bigger businesses going out. And I really enjoyed running the business. And I, I even kind of I had dreams of passing it on to my sons one day, even though I didn't have my sons yet. I was like, I'll pass it on. I knew I would have sons. And then that switched kind of like, maybe kind of toward the end. It was just like, it was just, I wanted to do something new. I felt like, I mean, we weren't the biggest agency in the world, but we were a big agency. And I felt like I conquered everything I wanted to. And then someone came along and offered us a nice thing. And I was like, okay, good. We're out. And then I didn't know what we were going to do after. I was depressed again. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Did you go through that empty nest syndrome again? Oh, big time. Yeah. And, and what I realized was I wasn't after success. So many people are after success. I was more after significance. And, and significance is making other people successful, right? And other people needing you. And that was a big thing for me. It's different for everybody. And so I was depressed. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like all right, I don't like playing golf anymore. Like it's like all retired people go play golf. I'm like, uh, this is boring. And you know, everybody was working. So I was like, and I'm that type of person that I like to create and I like to help people. And um, it took me a while to find out what I'm doing now. I created an iPhone app that I eventually just closed down because I hated it so much. It took pictures of everything that you ate gave you a visualization and throughout the day it would ask you how you feel. So it overlay it. Cool idea, but I didn't like it and I didn't do it. So I couldn't sell it. I didn't believe in it, even though it probably work really well right now. Guys, if you guys do it, just send me the royalty check, Jason Swank <laughs> to, to me. And then it was just by accident, maybe a year and a half goes by. One of my old competitors like, Hey, how'd you work with LegalZoom? How'd you work with AT&T? How'd you sell? And Started helping them out for free and loved it. And then uh, I realized I couldn't help everybody and everybody always wanted to pick my brain. So I was like, I need to do a podcast. Let me just put out, let me become a media company that just puts out a ton of content. Because I started listening to a mutual connection, Pat Flynn's podcast. Right. You know, the Smart Passive Income. And I was like, oh, I could do that. 
So I created a podcast called the Smart Agency Masterclass. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Royalty checks in the mail for the smart. But yeah, that's where we came. Awesome. Okay. So when did you start that podcast and that brand? End of 2014. All right. So 2014, you decided I'm going to go for this. I'm going to, you know, start helping people just, you know, for all the people that are coming to me wanting to seek my help and pick my brain. And then now tell us about the business, what it looks like today. Yeah, it's, um, it's not much different. I mean, it's still an original North Star is, you know, being a resource I wish I had. It's just, we have a bunch of or different kind of divisions for people, depending on the people coming in. So back then it was just me working with people one-on-one privately. And I realized that just not scalable. And I, I want to help more people than like 10 at a time. Like I think I was taking on 10 clients at a time and it was always had, always had a waiting list. And so I was like, well, can I do a course for the people that are more the do-it-yourselfers? And the ones I can't help out. So then I created the agency playbook, which walks people through the systems that I would recreate. And that was hugely successful. And then what I realized was there was a missing part of the people that didn't want to work with me one-on-one, but didn't want to go through an online course, but they wanted to be in a community of people that they can see what's working for other people. Like it wasn't the Jason show. It was like, hey, I want to connect with other amazing agency owners. And so I created what's now the digital agency elite. It's a mastermind for that. And then, you know, so those are kind of the different levels of the business. And then it just, we kept growing it. And right now too, like we're using the authority that we've created in the agency space to spin off other companies, like other SaaS companies for agencies or companies that will find salespeople or right. Like all kinds of different things because we have the attention and we took the time to, you know, build a a credible resource. Very cool. All right. So you work with agencies of all different types though. So what are the common types of agencies that are in your programs? I mean, all kinds. I mean, they could be creative, they could be social, Facebook, web development, like user experience, uh, PR, no traditional. Like if you're still a traditional agency, dinosaur, I can't help you out. Like <laughs> there's other people there with a lot much more grayer hair uh, that can help you out in that space uh, if you live. So we just wanted to work with digital agencies that were fast growing, that were not happy with where they're at and wanted to grow a little bit faster. So what are the common mistakes that you see people making as they're trying to grow and scale their agencies? Yeah, they're not patient or consistent. And they look, I think the biggest thing too, is they're looking at the bigger companies, the ones that they want to become, and they start modeling what they are doing currently. And I think that's a huge mistake. It's kind of like when Facebook came out, they would have lost very badly if they try to compete with MySpace on their playing field. But, you know, Facebook came out and they changed the playing field to their own and said, hey, this is only, like they made it exclusive. This is only for... Harvard students. This is only for Ivy League students and started getting broader and broader. So what you have to do is you have to, if you find a company that you like, model how they got there, not what they're doing now. And then you have to figure out what's my unique proposition or what makes me unique and different from everybody else. Like I always like to tell people, I don't have any competition. My only competition is cat videos and procrastination. Like that's it. Like 
there's no other person that is me and there's no other person like you. And once you realize that and realize that you're not for everyone and these are the perfect people I'm going after, this is the price I'm going to charge that can afford me to hire the right people. Like most people don't charge enough. And here's the telltale sign. If you go, I'm too busy to do that, Jason, you're not charging enough. That's a telltale sign. Like, congratulations, you're too busy. Well, you're not charging enough. You need to constantly raise your prices because we don't think we're worth it or we don't know the value that we actually deliver. And so those are the most common mistakes I see. So how do we know what to charge? You mentioned pricing and that is a big topic. So how do we know what to charge? Do we look at the market? Do we look at what we've charged historically? Where do we begin figuring that out? You don't look at the market. It's irrelevant. Like price is irrelevant. And I'll tell you this, like if I'm having a heart attack and you're the doctor, I'm not going to ask you how much is it to save my life. I'll be like, save my life, figure it out after, right? So price is irrelevant. It's just a matter of like, you haven't communicated the value or figured out the value, right? Let me back up. I had a phone call with this prospect that called me, rocked it, right? Like you just get off the phone call. You're like, if they don't go with me, they're complete morons. Like it was a perfect pitch. So they invited me to their office. I came to their office and literally I walk into like the biggest boardroom I've ever seen. And I'm like some young punk 26 year old, right? Like I know nothing like all gray hairs, all suits come in. I'm like, oh my God. So I pitched to them. I pitched like a $20,000 website and I was going to pitch a $10,000 website, but the room was huge. So I upped it by 10,000. <laughs> I'm like, you can afford it. They laughed at me. And I was like, why did they laugh? So I come back to the office and I tell my crew, I'm like, yeah, I met with this, some company. And they're like, well, who's the company? Why did they laugh at you? I don't know. And who's the company? Like I was like Brookshire Hathaway. And they're like, dude, that's like the biggest company in the world. And they laughed at me because I was too cheap. I was selling a hundred dollar Ferrari. They were like, something's wrong with you. So I didn't figure out their expectations. So going back to your question about the pricing, there's kind of two ways. One, you have to understand the value you actually provide to your clients. If you don't know that, <laughs> we got issues. <laughs> we got to figure this out. We got to ask the right questions in order to figure that one out. The other part is you got to figure out what's their expectation, right? So I'm talking to Brookshire Hathaway. I'd have been tickled pink if I got 20,000, but they were expecting 300,000. So how I do pricing is based on their expectation, but then I won't go below. And this is how I do it. I'll average up the past six months of value I've delivered to my clients. And then I'll average it up and I'll divide it by 10. So then I know I can look at someone in the face and be like, you're going to get 10X back on average. I can't promise it. I can't guarantee any. The only guarantee I can all, whenever anybody asks me, what's the guarantee? I'm like, the only guarantee I can promise you is if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same result. (laughs) And then I just tell them about the kind of the 10X model. They're like, okay, I get it. So figure out the expectation and then also figure out, you know, the value you provide. That's great advice. So are there mindset, you know, limited beliefs that you come across commonly with agency owners? Yeah, they think, um, well, there's just too many of us, right? There's too much competition or the market's dying. Like they don't need me. Well, we don't think big enough, right? Like we haven't got resourceful enough to figure out the challenges that we actually have. Or sometimes 
we're standing too close. Like my uncle had one of the coolest jobs. So he got out of Vietnam. He used to work on fighter jets. And so he worked for a company called Grumman in Long Island. And part of one of his jobs was testing out bird strikes on the canopy of these fighter jets. And he does that by having a giant chicken gun. So I want you to picture this gun that shoots dead chickens. And they kept breaking the canopy. And every time they shoot dead chickens, I phrase it as dead chickens. They're already dead. He didn't kill them. <laughs> so Peter, don't, don't be chasing them down. But shooting dead chickens kept breaking it. And he was like, I can't figure this out. So finally, he reached out to NASA. And NASA sent one line back. I think it was like fax. It was fax back then. It's like, unfreeze the chicken. We have too many frozen chickens, right? That we're standing too close to it. And sometimes we have to step back get some help from you or from anybody that has that experience. And then they can kind of get to where they're going and then set goals. And just, you know, that's just what I just see is like people thinking too small. Like if you ask any billionaire about a millionaire, he's like that person's thinking too small. Right. Do you have exercises that you take people through to help them kind of expand and think bigger? No, see, I'm not a coach. So I don't want to work with people on their head games. I only work with people that are there. Like, okay. I'm like, I just want you to go execute on this, right? So, but I guess if I was, I don't know, I just tell them more, think bigger. Like, like that's how I tell them. Be like, quit thinking so small. And then they'd be like, well, why do you think it's so small? And then maybe I'd tell them a story of someone that was like them that accomplished so much more or, you know, how we put a, a person on a moon with, less technology that's in our pockets, like figure it out. Like I think there's someone that says like, is it Marie Folio? Like everything's figure outable or I don't know. Yeah. Marie Folio, everything. So like, I truly am a believer in that. Like you just haven't figured it out yet. Just because you haven't figured out, like, here's what everybody says. I've tried everything. Okay. Tell me everything you've tried. And (laughs) they can't tell you like, obviously you haven't tried everything. So in order to scale, so we've got our head game right and we are figuring out our pricing. What are the other systems that we need in order to truly scale? So after you have clarity, after you're positioned the right way, you have to figure out the right offering. So again, if I come up to you and I saw you at a conference and I asked you to marry me, you'd be like, no, (laughs) like it's too big of a commitment. Like you don't know me. Who's this creep? And if you said yes, I'd be running the other way. I'd be like, whoo, like crazy person, right? Because that's people don't do that. And that's what we're doing a lot of times in the service-based world is we're pitching our huge marriage proposal right off the bat. So it's a huge commitment. It's a lot of risk. So how can we make that less risky? How can we offer something to help that doesn't cost very much just to identify a particular problem? And then once we identify that problem, how do we then solve that problem in a project And then once we learn more about that client, they trust us. Now we can pitch a reoccurring model to them that is probably a lot more than we would have charged. And it's going to be on a longer term commitment. So the next system is really kind of coming up with the right offering off the bat. I like that. And so then after that point, so we bring people in, we build the relationship, we help them out first, we position ourselves the right way. And as the advisor, we make the right offering. They agree. What are the keys to maintaining that customer relationship other than providing great service? Well, the biggest thing, yeah, is great service, but constantly communicating the plan and constantly benchmarking, right? Like 
a lot of people like we've all had those clients come to us going, I'm canceling and you were crushing it for them. And you're like, what the, when you're like, I don't understand it. It's because you did a bad job at communicating the value of what you did for them. Right. And so if you constantly every conversation be like, Hey, I know when we started working, you were struggling with cash flow. man. Isn't it nice to see like, you're not worried about cash flow. You have like eight months of cash in hand and, and you're able to do whatever, right? You're constantly benchmarking. The other thing is constantly communicating the plan. So when I race cars, I also taught people how to race cars. And so most people don't believe you can actually do, or they don't believe they can actually achieve the results that you're going after. So if I said, all right, Monica, we're going to go through this corner at hundred miles per hour. I don't want you to take your foot off the gas. You'd be like, no, like there's a huge wall. I have kids. I got to pay off the rest of my debt. (laughs) Like I need to be around. I don't want to die. But if I could say, Hey, I have a plan and let me show you the plan and let me demonstrate it. And then I go into the corner and I'm like, watch my foot, watch what I do. Here's what I'm doing. And then you see it. And then I'm going to be like, okay, cool. We're not going to go through it at hundred miles per hour at first. We're going to go through at 60 and then 70, 80, 90, 100. And then you go through at 110 and I'm pissed off because you beat me, right? Like you have to communicate that plan to them and they have to understand it. Got it. Yeah, and that is all about building trust and then keeping the trust, maintaining the trust, setting proper expectations. So let's talk about hiring. How do we know when it's time to expand the team? Yeah. Well, when you go through that list, I told you like that piece of paper and you write down all the crap you don't want to do anymore. That's the stuff you need to hire people to to go do. And most of the time it depends on too, like self-awareness, right? Like you have to figure out what are you really good at? What do you suck at? Like you should hire for what you suck at. (laughs) Like I hate when people work at stuff that they suck at. Like you suck at that. Don't work on that. Like work on your strengths. It's kind of like, Think about why people go to Walmart, okay? Their Walmart's strength is low prices, but their weakness is crappy service and they pay their people like shit. So if they worked on their weakness, they would pay their people more, they'd have better customer service, but their prices would have to go up. So their strength would suffer. And then what people know about Walmart would be bad, right? So you got to work on your strengths, but you got to figure out what what are they first, (laughs) All right. So then we know that we're ready to hire when we figured out what those roles are going to be. Is there anything else in the systems needed to scale before we talk about selling? Well, I mean, you just need to make sure that they believe in what you believe in. Like you got to tell them, I'm on a boat to London. If you're scared of water and you don't like people that talk in a British accent, tell me now we're not going to make it like we're going to be unhappy. Right. Like, and then they'll be like, Oh, I love, I, I want to go see London tower and all that. Like, perfect. Great. And, oh, you love fishing. Great. We're good. So got to make sure people believe in what you believe in. And you don't just go over like, here's what I don't want people to do. Be like, Jason, I, I developed my core values. Check. You got to live them. You got to believe in them. You got to eat them. Right. Like I believe you should learn every day. I believe you should do more with less. Like these are things that my team, you know, believes in as well. And so I'm not going to be like, do you believe 
and working with less than more or whatever. I'm dyslexic too. So if I'm saying it backwards, you guys know what I'm meaning, right? But I'll ask questions to be like, tell me a time that you were challenged with something and didn't have many resources, right? So I'm asking questions to see how they think or tell me a time that you learned something. And if someone says, oh, well, I try to learn something every day. I'm like, hmm. You know, so it's you know different things. So just don't do the check mark and be like check done. Go on to the next. Jason, thanks very much. It's kind of you. You got to eat them, eat the core values. I'm just making that stuff up now. <laughs> well, and then constantly communicate that with your team too. These are our values here on the team, and so. And what I do with my team is I constantly check in with my team members to make sure that like you know we're on the same path, we're heading in the same direction. So, because, yeah. you know, people's, sometimes people's priorities change and I want to make sure that, you know, I'm kind of able to get in front of that and where I'm not having any surprises. Exactly. And, and you got to think too, like I'd always tell my team is first, like I will pick my team over any client any day. And that actually happened today. Had this person that was in our mastermind and never showed up. Our mastermind is a length of time because we don't want people coming in and jumping out. We want them to show up. And they were like, well, you got grammar errors all over this thing that you gave. I'm like, listen, grammar Nazi, like you joined a mastermind to connect with other amazing people. And he's like, and so he started threatening my team. And I said, get him out of the mastermind, give him his money back and tell him he is banned for life ever digesting our content or buying from us ever again. Like, buy. Like, I don't care about your money. And you got to back your team up for that. And you got to make people examples. Like, I only want to work with people that honor their commitments and like treat people nice. Like, it's just like the world's, it's too short of a life to work with jerks. (laughs) Right. So when it comes to getting ready to sell, how do we know we're in a position to do that? Do you recommend people kind of getting their company ready for that? Or do you follow what you did where like an offer came and then we kind of entertain the idea? I mean, most acquisitions happen after offer already came in. Like it starts getting people think about like, really, people want to buy what I got? Like, really? But you're not going to really have a a big transaction in the most part in the service-based business unless you can get over a million in profit. Like everybody keeps focusing on top line revenue, which Congrats. Great. You got to 10 million. Wonderful. But you make no money. So it's really not a business. Like your pass-through operation. That's all like, right? So everybody always brags about how big they are. Who cares? I care about profitability. And that's all that a buyer cares about is profitability and systems. And can I bolt you on? And can I be bigger and better with you? That's all they care about. And then they'll increase your valuation. Awesome. Is there anything else that we should talk about today? No, I mean, you you did an amazing job on asking the right questions. You know, the biggest thing is consistency and and just patience. And uh, not many people have that. Like, and what I tell people too, is a lot of times people don't buy from us until after digesting our content for two, three years. That's patience. Right. So how are you challenging yourself to think bigger these days? Well, it's constantly just pushing myself, right? And just pushing, what else can we do? What other companies can we create? How many more people can we actually reach? Okay. Any last piece of advice, Jason? 
don't eat peanuts before you do a podcast and have water by. I think that's probably the best advice you'll run away from. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jason. I really appreciate all of your great wisdom and sharing about your journey and scaling your agency and really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. All right. I hope you loved that interview as much as I did. It was so fun chatting with Jason. He's a funny guy, isn't he? Plus, he's really the go-to expert for helping agency owners grow and scale the smart way. And one of my business BFFs is in his mastermind, and I know her business has completely transformed since she joined. Now, I'd love to hear your major takeaways. What one thing are you going to take action on? For me, I really love the focus exercise that Jason shared. That's definitely something that I've been working on as I grow and scale my business is to make sure that I'm focusing my time and attention where I want to and only where it makes sense. That's why I've been expanding my team. So we are laying the foundation to truly skyrocket in 2020. Now let us know what your takeaways are in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 28 or tag Jason and me on Instagram. I am at Flourish with Monica, and he's at J Swink, S-W-E-N-K. Now, big thanks to Jason for coming on the podcast and sharing his story and expertise with us. You'll find all of the links and resources that we mentioned in this episode at monicalouie.com slash 28. And thank you so much for joining Jason and me today. Definitely follow Jason and check out his podcast, Smart Agency Masterclass, if you're an agency owner. I am honored to be a guest on his podcast in an upcoming episode. And if you are here because you're ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through the six steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you jump into the ads manager. And if you're like me, then you love a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouie.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. As I mentioned, I will have all of these links and resources that I mentioned in today's show in the show notes, which you can find at monicalouie.com slash 28. And if you've found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another great episode heading your way. So subscribe so you don't miss it. Please join me next week on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. Take care and bye for now. 